0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Baseball Talk is back. The Miami Marlins around the horn is on Fox Sports 940 Miami.
0: Welcome on back. February 10th, I'm Kyle Seeloff. This is Around the Horn. This is also week six of our eight off-season shows. And with us tonight is our very own Glenn Geffner. Geff, great to see you. Uh, Great to chat with you. How are you doing? And as always, I I think I ask you this every spring. uh, How's the, uh, fill us in on the off-season, the annual off-season internship. How you doing?
1: Uh, The internship's been going very well. Very busy, very hectic around the house this off-season. Primarily a lot of time in the carpool. getting people where they need to be uh still really good with garbage and recycling uh loading and unloading dishwasher specialties (laughs) of mine i feel like i keep getting better year after year and i you know my wife has kept me around this long so i guess the results must be good enough
0: uh update on stewie i know he gets mentions in the broadcast throughout the season
1: that stewie the beagle is uh nine and going strong Uh, Happy, energetic He, you know, one time was the baby in the neighborhood And now he's one of the deans of the neighborhood (laughs) Among the dogs Kind of the mayor of our neighborhood And uh, yeah, he keeps us all young
0: outstanding. Time now for tonight's starting lineup on Around the Horn presented by Nudge, the official coffee snack of the Miami Marlins in Lone Depot Park. Do the undoable. Uh, Two conversations for you tonight. Our first with Marlins middle infield prospect Jordan McCants, a third round selection last season. And our last tonight is with Jordan Jackson. He's the Marlins manager of baseball operations. I'm going to peel back that curtain a little bit. We're going to hear about his roles and responsibilities as well as his path to Miami. So, That's what's on the docket tonight. Uh, And, Geff, usually about this time, our spring training schedule's out. We're ready to embark on another long year. Uh, But what? We sit here on February 10th with little to no direction. And, you know, it's unfortunate. It's rather odd. There's only so much we can say. But it's kind of weird to just sit here and kind of sort of be ready but have nothing to do. Well, you and I are ready to
1: embark whenever they tell <laughs> us it's time to embark. Uh, but yeah, that's the $100,000 question now. You know, you'd like to think we'd be in spring training a week from now. Uh, we'll see what happens, how it all plays out. But, uh, you know, the off season for the Marlins seem to be off to a really good start. And then you hit the pause button and you can't wait to get it resumed and wrapped up and get up to Jupiter and get back to work. Uh, it, it's just weird not knowing. And uh, we're all in the same boat as broadcasters as players as staff whoever and uh you just like to see this all get resolved and get back to baseball because there's a lot of reason to believe this could be an exciting season here
0: yeah i know you've been listening this off season to the shows and we've chatted with Sevi and Kelly and JP and Jessica was on last week. But uh, I think I have the same conversation in each passing week. But now that we sit here on February 10th, um, I think the Marlins were super encouraged, Jeff, about what they did. I I think they're pleased. I don't think they're satisfied. I think they believe there's more work to do. But um, what do you think this thing's going to look like if this hopefully gets resolved and there can be maybe a crash course of a spring training? But my goodness, all of these top-notch MLB players that are still without contracts, the Marlins maybe with still moves to be made. What do you think this whole thing looks like?
1: It's going to be interesting. When they get this thing resolved, it's not like you can just report to spring training the next day. And I think that's the point that's lost on some people because you do still have hundreds of free agents out there. You have 30 organizations that essentially haven't done a thing in December, January, now halfway through February. You've got a lot of offseason work to do. When the time comes, you got to get players into the country. There are visa issues for a lot of guys. There are COVID protocols that are going to have to be followed. So you can't just start spring training the day after you have a deal. Uh, You know, more locally, looking at the Marlins, I I think they still have work to do. As you said, they were successful before the lockout uh, went into place, uh, signing two key members of this team to extensions. Uh, Bringing in a a big free agent bat, making a a very valuable acquisition, a couple of valuable acquisitions via trade. I don't think they're done, though, and you alluded to this. I think uh, you're going to see at least one more bat, at least one more bullpen arm added to this team before opening day. And hopefully we can just get back to work and and start bringing those people in because, you know, it's – it's the middle of February, and you're yeah. used to Valentine's Day showing up in Jupiter, and it's going to feel weird to not be there.
0: Yeah, pitchers and catchers were scheduled to report uh, on the 14th, uh, which is, I guess, Monday, right? Uh, the Commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, is speaking today. Some Valentine's
1: here. Day, Kyle. I-, I know you're on top of it being yes. Valentine's Day on
0: Monday. Very important and day. I'm sure
1: you're done with- Shopping for your Valentine and everything.
0: Yeah, like three or four Valentines I'm taking care of this Monday. So, you know, right. well, that, that you know,
1: surprise me. Hey, I shouldn't surprise <laughs> anybody.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this, too, Geff. Uh, and Donnie's always been very transparent with us. I, I really am looking forward to chatting with him because, you um, you know, they, th- there was a lot of uh, baseball that we watched last year and a lot of promising signs. I know we've talked for many years now about young players and the prospects, but Donnie's got to feel pretty encouraged. Kind of going back to what you said, right? They bring in uh, a new catcher that I think many people are excited about. They bring in a big bat. Uh, they sign their ace to an extension, but I think Donnie going into this spring, and like you said, if the Marlins aren't done, he's got to feel pretty encouraged when he goes one through nine, pending maybe even the DH he's got to feel pretty good in 2022 as, as opposed to we did in 2021 about what this lineup might look like too
1: well and again you'd like to think there's at least one more bat added and then you feel even better about it but you had some people get their feet wet last year and even though there were some frustrations a season ago and losing two to one games was not a lot of fun Uh, You saw some position players get their feet wet at the big league level for the first time, have some successes, have some failures that hopefully you learn from and build upon. So uh, you'd like to think you see continued growth from everybody. We talk about this a lot. Progress isn't always linear. Just because Mm -hmm. you did one thing in 2021 doesn't mean you take a step forward in every case in 2022 and another step in 2023. Some people advance quicker than others. Some take steps back but you'd like to think the experience that people got, particularly in the second half of last season is going to be valuable. Uh, And then again, you've got some guys down on the farm who had some growth last year and even in the Arizona fall league and in places like that in the off season uh, who you'd like to think could factor into the equation at some point here in 2022. So certainly there's a lot of reason to be excited about where this team is headed. At the same time, the Braves are not going away. Mm -hmm. The Mets are not going away. The Phillies continue to feel the heat to win now And you look at the Nationals having taken a step back last year, there's no doubt they've taken a dramatic step back, but I don't think this is a team looking at a five or six year rebuild in Washington. They've got resources. They've got a fan base that has tasted success very recently, and they got pressure on them to get this thing turned around quickly. So uh, the NL East is going to remain a bear for the Marlins.
0: Well, and the Nats probably felt that pressure because they're trying to reload quickly. A couple of those big guys that they got from Los Angeles were in the big leagues in a hurry. Uh, Jeff, before we wrap up this segment, I mean, you tell me if uh, uh, you agree or disagree. With all of that being said, uh, you can't, sugar. Code one thing, and that's a win loss record, right? The pressure is going to be on this team to win, given what they have done this offseason, pending what they may still do, and to your point, in a daunting National League East.
1: Right, and this is year five for this ownership group. It, it's a process. Nobody ever put a timetable on anything, but uh we've heard Derek Jeter talk a lot since the day he got to Miami about not being a very patient guy. And you know, fans are impatient, broadcasters are impatient, managers and players are impatient. Uh, it's time they've got to take a step forward. Obviously, they've made a financial commitment this offseason to a couple of prominent players, uh, and I think there's more to come still. But uh, you can't forget the fact that no team improves in a vacuum, yep. And again, you got the Braves. And the Mets out there, and you got the Phillies and the Nationals, that's just in this division before you start branching out and looking at teams like the Dodgers and others in the National League. So uh, it's not going to be easy, but it's time. And these young players need to take steps forward. Hopefully some of the veteran players they're bringing in are going to contribute in dramatic ways and uh, you continue to see progress for this team.
0: For sure. All right, Jeff, stand by. You're going to be back with us shortly. When we come back, my conversation with Marlins prospect Jordan McCant. This is Around the Horn and more Around the Horn right after this on Fox Sports 940 Miami and the iHeartRadio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family
2: can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more
0: details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: The Miami Marlins Around the Horn Show with Kyle Seeloff is on Fox Sports 940 Miami.
0: Welcome back to Around the Horn on Fox Sports 940 Miami tonight in the iHeartRadio app. Good to be back with you this evening. I'm Kyle Seeloft, and I'm joined tonight by our very own Glenn Geffner. Time now for my conversation with Miami's third-round selection last year out of Pensacola Catholic High School. A young and talented, another one, another middle infielder in the Marlins organization, Jordan McCants. Jordan McCants, third-round pick in 2021, drafted in July out of Pensacola. Congratulations, man!
2: Uh, what have the last couple of months been like for you? First, I just want to thank God for everything. Um, he's ahead of my life, and um, just these past couple of months have been an experience. Getting out, you know, living by myself, um, just being around people who also love the game as much as me. You know, learning a lot, and it's been an awesome experience.
0: Bit of a shock, huh? Both from yeah.
2: high school ball. <laughs> yeah. Mom yeah. and dad ain't cooking dinner anymore. Yeah, yeah. And you're in Jupiter. Yeah. What's that been like? It has his ups and downs. You know how baseball is. It's a game of failure. But uh, you know, I learned to adjust, and uh, you know, just learn from the managers and you know the players are good teammates, good friends. So it's been great. How old were you when you first asked your parents why is my
0: last name McCants and not McCann?
2: <laughs> uh, uh, probably about middle school uh, I, I would say you know why is it that it's, a, it's an s instead of just mccant because a lot of people would say jordan mccant and, you know so i was like nah uh, it's mccants with an s and also don't forget the two c's and and actually, the the middle or the first C is actually small. In the, right. The second C is
0: big. That looks good on the back of a jersey. Yeah. Small C, yeah.
2: big C. That's
0: how it is. Growing up in the Panhandle, what was life like growing up in Pensacola?
2: All my family's down there in like one neighborhood, hmm. so it's like a huge community of my family and support. I rarely got into like like the city of Pensacola. You know, it was like uh, I'm I'm from Quint- Quintet, Florida. Okay. It's a small town in Pensacola growing up there it was just like all family you know we'd go to a cousin's house walk everywhere you know walk to the park walk to my grandmother's house for frozen cups and stuff so it was just being in being in that neighborhood all the time and why baseball why was it always a passion at what at what point were you like this is my sport and i'm going after it going into high school you know, uh, i always I, I set a goal i said like i i want to be a major leaguer it's not like I just, I didn't want to just get drafted. I just, I told my dad, I was like, I, I want to be a big leaguer. Win a lot of championships, you know, go out there and compete. And I just felt like I could do that in, in baseball. I had a good chance in baseball. Being an athlete, you know, you can play basketball and football, but you know, being an athlete on a baseball field, you kind of stand out a little more.
0: Rumor has it, now tell me if I'm wrong, that once you get to A Pensacola, you're staying home. You don't want to go to the big leagues. You just <laughs> want to play at home forever. <laughs>
2: true or not true not true not true i love pensacola <laughs> <laughs> i love pensacola i love the people there but uh you'd be willing to play in Miami, is miami's saying? Yeah I'm, yeah I'm definitely willing to play in miami <laughs> now nah, listen you're gonna have a lot of people when you get to double
0: a yeah. back home you might fill out the ballpark beautiful ballpark by the way
2: oh yeah first game is definitely gonna be sold out crowd a standing ovation going you getting a standing i i'm pretty sure yeah i'm pretty sure <laughs> like every time i go home it's like uh Ever since I've been home, since I've been drafted, you know, everywhere I go, taking pictures, signing autographs and, you know, actually being a people who look up to me and stuff. So it's like they can't wait until I get back to Pensacola and I'm anxious for it. You know, I'm ready. How weird is that? How old are you now? 19. 19.
0: People look up to you, want your autograph. They want to take pictures with you. Maybe a few people do that a couple of years ago, but collect your first paycheck, you're a professional
2: baseball player, and now people want to
0: take your picture and get an autograph. What's that like?
2: It's an amazing experience knowing that you can be somebody that somebody else looks up to because I've always looked up to uh, people around my age too, like my older brother. I've always looked up to him, I always wanted to be better than him, you know, with uh, all of my cousins, we're playing in the backyard and competing. You know, they made me, you know, better just by like I was the youngest, so uh, they never took it easy on me. They, uh, I had to go out there and compete just as hard, and you know it. It kind of taught me lessons looking up to people like that. You said you want to be somebody. Who do you want to be? Who's Jordan McCants? That guy who's gonna go out there, give his all. You know, always have a smile on his face. It's just, uh, just have fun. You know, I've I've been taught that since I was you know, four years old. Go out there and play t ball. You know, it's the same thing. Just go out there and have fun. If I'm watching you ball on the field, you look like anybody anybody you idolized growing up. That guy's got a
0: little bit of. Blanket.
2: My favorite player growing up was always Robertson Cano. Mm. You know, I didn't feel out as much as he did, <laughs> but uh, you know, just the smooth aspect of the game. You know, always you know being like a chill, you know, silky smooth fielder and stuff. You know, people would say that you kind of have that feel like Cano. You know, especially with me being a second baseman. He's got one of the sweetest swings in the game. Yeah. You got a good one. Yeah. You do? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it every day right now, so I'm trying to get it better. Down here.
0: Hanging out with your brother when you were younger, cousins. Brother plays at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. You better than your brother. You give him a hard time.
2: Oh, I get asked this question a lot. You know, we don't like to say, you know, who's better. You know, we both, you know, we love the game so much. We both uh, play very passionate. But he he has his he has his goods. I have my goods, and you know, we, he has his bads. I have my bads. But <laughs> overall, we just we just love playing. I'm sure you I'm sure you give it a lot, but. How much did the two of you push one another growing up? Every day. Yeah? And everything. It wasn't just It wasn't just baseball. It was life. Like, Video games? Like everything. Everything. Like, I'm talking about we would play uh, ping pong and ping pong eventually being like uh, getting a piece of paper and turning it into a big uh, tournament with yeah. all my cousins and my brothers and my dad. We always pushed each other to be the best at whatever we've done.
0: In the last couple of months, ever scared you made the wrong decision? You could have gone on and played big-time college baseball. Ever scared? Ever for
2: a second did you think, "Boy, did I make the right decision?" No, it was, um, you know, for a second it was like when I first got down there. It was, you know, had to get adjusted to the, you know, always by myself, you know, and then going through slumps in uh, baseball, uh, you know, trying to get through those days, and you know, kind of got homesick a little bit in the rookie ball. But I never once thought that I made a mistake because every day I went out there, I learned something new about baseball and also getting to play the game that I love every day. I, I didn't have a problem with it. It
0: can be humbling. 19 years old, Very. on the backfields in Jupiter, early in the morning. We hear a lot, guys that are all-stars in high school, great players in college. All of a sudden you play professional baseball and everybody's just as good as you and it's a dog-eat-dog dog world out there how confident are you in your abilities?
2: I think my confidence is what plays a big key mm-hmm. in just uh, going out there on a the professional field or any field uh, you know and that played a big role growing up you know just having that confidence when players were older and older than me you know growing up you know it just led on to now and you know, having that I call it the mumba mentality yeah you know, yeah so who's so your you know, hero Kobe Bryant is he yeah. why as I watch sports, you know, I kind of like I like seeing players off the field as well or mm. off the court. And that just makes them idols like, you know, role models. You know, what you do, you know, off, you know, like it's, certain players wouldn't do what he did all his life. And also one of my other uh, heroes would definitely be both of my parents and, and all of my grandparents. Is uh, I'm also truly blessed to have, you know, both sides. My mom me and my dad, both, both grandparents are still alive. And uh, my great grandmother is still alive. So, uh, you no, know, they, they all just pushed me to the limit and never let me give up on anything. I, I, to this day, I still never quit in anything.
0: How often do you dream about stepping into the batter's box at Lone Depot Park for the first time and making a major league debut?
2: I dreamed about that every day. Coming out here to uh, the player development camp, every day I step on the field, I get chills. Don't take it for granted then? Mm, never. Like, I get chills and I look up and I can just see, like, I don't know what it is. I see people just like shouting screaming, and screaming. It's just, I can't wait.
0: how do you envision your first hit going? You're just gonna lay down a bunt?
2: You going hit one out of the ballpark? i mm. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm call it, I'm gonna call it right now, just so when it happens, you'll be like, this interview just said, I'm, I'm. Let's Make sure they're rolling. It's either, it's either gonna be a bunt, down third, or it's gonna be a single between short and third base.
0: They all look like a line drive in the box score. Yep. Jordan. If I ask you right now, you're going to be what type of ball player in a decade? Ten years from now, your answer is what?
2: I'm going to be a ball player with a lot of rings on a team that's won at least one or two championships. My man, thanks for the time. Thank you. Thank you so much for this.
0: All right. Thanks again to Jordan for carving out some time for us earlier this offseason. It was really a a treat to chat with some of these uh, young men who are uber talented and have a really, really bright future in the Marlins system. Again, and McCants, another talented up the middle type player for the Marlins, athletic, up the middle, um, can play a little bit of everywhere, drafted in the third round last year, played in 23 games in the Florida Complex League and is hopefully poised for a terrific and healthy 2022 season. Hey, uh, I know I keep telling you about it, but don't miss out on sweet savings on hot matchups with the opening day bundle. Score tickets to five games, including opening day, plus a legacy-themed Cafecito Cup set. Uh, You can save over 30% on select Legacy Saturday matchups against National League East rivals, and the Marlins are going to take the field in their Legacy uniforms. They were a hit last season. They're coming back in 2022. If you want more information, I encourage you to get more information, and I encourage you to take the Marlins up on this offer. Go to marlins.com bundle. Again, that is marlins.com bundle. Sweet savings, hot matchups, opening day bundle, and as a bonus, you get that cafecito cup set. When we return, the Marlins manager of baseball operations, Jordan Jackson, joins us. It's the Jordan and Jordan show tonight on Fox Sports 940 Miami and the iHeart.
3: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best the power of their data Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.
1: Marlins offseason is underway. Wow. Around the Horn is on Fox Sports 940 Miami.
0: Welcome back to Around the Horn on Fox Sports 940 Miami and the iHeartRadio app with you every Thursday through the month of February. That is this month, the month of February. There's only 18 more days, so the month of February is coming to a screeching halt, and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully spring training begins soon, and March 31st, opening day, goes off without a hitch. And on time. Uh, I'm Kyle Seeloff. As you know, Glenn Yefner will rejoin us shortly. It's time now for my conversation with Miami's manager of baseball operations, Jordan Jackson. All right, Jordan. Well, thank you for hanging out for a couple of minutes. Uh, we've had an opportunity over the course of the last couple of months to get to know some of your counterparts in baseball operations, and you know, we always and often talk with Gary and Kim and Donnie, um, but we don't always get to know a lot of the folks that. People don't know their names, right? You guys are working hard behind the scenes. Uh, Jordan Jordan Jackson, manager of baseball operations. I want to know a lot about your path and how you've gotten here. But let me first start by asking you: your responsibilities as the manager of baseball operations is what?
4: So thanks for having me, Kyle. Um, I would answer that with: uh, there are very broad responsibilities. Um, it covers a lot of different areas. Um, generally, anything that. Is major league team related. Um, it's going to involve a baseball operations manager, uh, but there are also other areas like player development, pro scouting, um, and just depending on what time of the year it is and where we are in the major league baseball calendar, um, I'll kind of get pulled in that direction. So it's it's exciting. Um, there no two days are the same, uh, but it's uh, it is a a. a I guess we run the gamut of responsibilities uh, that I get to kind of take part in.
0: So here's a wildly unfair question. Then it's game 75 on. It's a game 75 on the playing calendar. Yeah, your daily routine and responsibility in the middle of
4: June, in the middle of the week, Jordan. You're doing what? So our main priority is to win games. So I'd say if it's the middle of the season. Um, ninety percent of what I do on that day is probably geared towards winning that day's game. Uh, so there's a, a lot of information and materials that go into winning each day's game. Are you in the clubhouse? Yes. Okay. Yes. So yeah. So we uh, so there's a lot of inf- uh, a lot of information that we have that goes to the clubhouse from you know the various people that work in baseball operations and analytics. Um. And they do a great job working hard to try to build things and and come up with data that could give us an advantage on the field. So my responsibility uh, broadly is to kind of take that information and take the things that we feel are most important and can help us win down to the clubhouse and inform coaches and players about the best way we think to go about uh, winning those games, obviously with input from them. Um, which is a big part of it, but uh, yeah, that's that's I'd say ninety percent of it is is literally that during the season during the regular season. season, your
0: attention and focus is on manager, coaches, players, disseminating information to put them in the best possible position to win that night. Correct,
4: correct, all about. Um, I think. Uh, a good way to put it would be all the teams in Major League Baseball have access to information, and most right. of it is the same. Most teams have the ability to to get the same information as other teams. It's really the advantage, I think, can be how you gather, interpret, and how efficient you can relay that data and turn it into action on the field.
0: So I guess let me get this right. the The information you're providing a majority of the time is analytically driven to put these guys in a position where – I mean, is broad – I'm just throwing this out there. Broad information, you're sitting down with X player. If you're in a one-two count, 97, 97% of the time he's going to throw a curveball away. Is that the kind of information you're relaying to coaches, Donnie, players? Is, is that kind of sort of the information that these guys are getting?
4: Yeah, I'd say that is that's, that's uh, that is definitely part of it. I think uh, we – Um, try to do a good job of anticipating what will happen based on things that have happened in the past Um, and yes that that is uh, information is largely driven by data that we have and gather um, or the MLB gathers um, and disseminates to the teams but yeah um, uh, pitch pitch types and certain counts are definitely uh, something that we look at Um, we're, we're looking at you know uh, the opposite angle as well. What 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 uh what hitters do to certain pitches and how well they fare against other pitches and where we can seek to kind of find an advantage there as well. But base running is something we look at defense, um you know, stealing bases, all of that. We try to find an advantage in, in any of those areas.
0: How active are you, and you'll see where I'm going with this. But how active are you during the middle of a game relaying information? If if there's something you guys are catching, you and your team, that's like they may not see it right now because there's a million things going on in the dugout, but somebody's got to know. I mean, is that allowed? I I don't know. How?
4: Yeah. So I'd say that once the game starts, it's largely out of my hands and uh-huh. any, and anyone that's, you know, not directly involved such as the coaches or players. Um, I think anything we pick up during a game is largely going to be used for the upcoming games oh, okay. or, or the next games. Yeah. I think that um, uh, for coaches, uh we we do our best job to kind of uh help them pick up and prepare for things that they may see and sometimes that's a variety of things they may or may not see and there are a couple of different ways it could go and you know just to try to give them the best information they can to react when they do get that in, uh get those uh make those decisions how different do you watch a game as opposed to how a fan watches it um I, yeah, yeah that's a tough question i think um, they're definitely I definitely watch games differently now than maybe I did growing up, but uh, I think it's more about just I'm looking or probably focused on certain things that maybe other people aren't um, it, it, It's tough to say, but yeah there's there's it's kind of a game within the game and um, you know i'm I'm looking for maybe situations that may have come up before the game that you know I'm thinking or we're talking about that could happen and when they do happen it's you know all right that's great. But when they don't, you know, it's also, uh, uh, that also happens. So I think it's, it's it's more about where I'm looking and where I'm focused. And sometimes that isn't necessarily where the majority of people are focused because it's not always where the action is.
0: Where do you, where do you want to be in 10 years, Jordan? Like what, what is, what is the goal now? Or are you just going with the wind here and seeing where it takes you and just going to work as hard as you can to see what comes of this whole thing?
4: Yeah. So for me, I think, you know, this is, If you asked me five years ago where I'd be, you know this is a lot, a lot more uh, uh, insane than I'd ever think that I'd ever would have dreamed. So I'm I'm having a blast. Um, I think for me, uh, I'm going to do the same thing I've always done, which was, you know, whether or not I was getting the results I wanted, um, to continue to work hard, continue to do what I think um, is going to put me in the best position to succeed and which by in turn puts our team in the best position to succeed. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I don't look at it much farther out than that. Um, I think uh, it, it is important. Uh, representation is important, that is, and I think that uh, it is important as we kind of grow the game and grow the diversity of our game that people uh, see people that look like myself. Um, they see African-Americans. They see – uh people from diverse backgrounds from non-traditional backgrounds um in positions uh that are visible and i think that encourages people to kind of you know get into the game and from a young level uh, or a young age and right be able to uh kind of pursue not only the game on the field but the game you know off the field so i think it, it all plays into it
0: and i would be remiss if i didn't ask you because it's black history month um you know 15 20 years ago I don't know if it's much different conversation, but there were not many African-Americans in front offices, um, in positions of power or however you want to put it. Um, Jordan, there's a lot of people that have come before you. Um, but do you feel a responsibility every day you wake up and go work in an MLB front office to make the environment, not to say that it's bad at all now, because major league baseball has taken incredible steps to allow people like yourself, which sounds so bizarre to say, but do you feel that responsibility to make sure that the young Jordan Jackson growing up in Atlanta or Memphis or Washington DC right now has these opportunities and even better sounds wrong, but 10 years from now,
4: right? No, I think, I think it's extremely important. Uh, I agree with you. MLB's done a great job. Um, If it weren't for some of the, the things that they put forth, and some of the people that work in those offices every day to kind of increase the diversity and the yeah. visibility of uh, MLB to uh, non-traditional communities. Um, yeah, like I wouldn't be here. Um, right. So I think, yeah, it, it's very important. And I think it's not just my responsibility or people that look like me. I think it's all of our responsibility right. to try to increase the avenues for participation in the game and in front offices and every aspect of it for uh, diverse candidates, for women, for people that uh, have traditionally been uh kind of kind of locked out so uh yeah i think our game's better w- when that happens
0: i was gonna say male or female i don't care what the hell you look like if you're smart and you belong in an mlb front office you can make the whole thing better uh maybe the future uh gm of a big league team maybe the commissioner of baseball i don't know jordan jackson thanks so much man i appreciate it
4: i appreciate it kyle thanks for having me
0: hey thanks again to jordan for joining us um i've got about 12, maybe 15 more minutes of that conversation. I couldn't squeeze it all in tonight. Uh, do me a favor. I'm going to upload that whole thing to the podcast page, Apple Podcasts, however you get your podcast, Miami Marlins Podcast. Search it. You'll find it. Um, I'll have this entire show for you tonight on the podcast page and the entire interview with Jordan. I would encourage you to listen to it. It was really fun for me to talk to um, and a really neat story, right? I mean, everybody takes a different path uh, as an African-American man in baseball, in a front office. I say that to kind of tie this all together. He's done an incredible job. He is a key cog to make this operation move in Miami. And I mention that um, because the Marlins have very, very much uh, put their efforts forth into Black History month, the month of February, uh, and, and they continued their efforts to celebrate the legacy of the African-American community, Uh, In South Florida, Uh, the Marlins last month, they hosted a day of service in celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day to honor his life and legacy. Volunteers from the organization were out in the community for a food distribution in Liberty City at Gwen Cherry Park and Lenora B. Smith Elementary School. And they also led a virtual education lesson for students at Lenora B. Smith Elementary. Um, This month, uh, they've got virtual educational activities with four Slugger schoolhouses focused on the lives and the legacies of civil rights leaders who promoted equality. Uh, Really neat, Marcus Timms and Keith Johnson, along with Jordan McCants, who we've heard from tonight. They're going to join students for different virtual activities and coming up, Throughout the course of the 2022 season, uh, the efforts to celebrate the South Florida Black community will carry on this year. Uh, The Marlins will host their annual South Florida Black Legacy Celebration at Lone Depot Park in June. That was an initiative that began in 2020. And they're also going to celebrate the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking baseball's color barrier with events planned around april 15th so terrific stuff i I really know major league baseball has put forth a massive effort um, in this particular area the marlins just one of 30 teams who do a wonderful wonderful job hey how would you like to love a chance to save some money on car insurance geico can help switch today see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts it's easy simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote and get started seeing how much you could save when we come back Jeffrey joins us for three strikes and you are out my favorite segment every thursday on fox sports 940 miami and the iheart
1: Marlins' offseason is underway. Around the Horn is on Fox Sports 940 Miami.
0: Back here on Around the Horn on Fox Sports 940 Miami tonight and the iHeartRadio app. I'm Kyle C. Luck. Len Geffner rejoins us now, and it is time, maybe for my favorite segment each show. It's Three Strikes and You're Out, brought to you by Loop. Baseball cards don't have an off season. Check out the number one sports card app at loop, L O U P E. Cards. That's loop.cards, L-O-U-P-E. Geff, uh, I know you know what we're doing here. I'll say strike one, strike two, strike three. I'll give you a topic. Uh, you'll give your answer. You'll go first each time. We'll both give answers.
1: This concept is sweeping the nation. I love it.
0: Uh, maybe we could take it on to the broadcast this year. But, uh, I, you know, I tried to tailor these in your direction, too. Uh, fans of yours and fans of the broadcast, I have a sneaky suspicion, may know some of these answers. But strike one, your favorite city to travel to during the season.
1: Oh, boy. This is a hard question. Uh, and I always... I get this question a lot. I always preface it this way. There are certain cities I have personal connections to. Mm-hmm. I went to college just outside of Chicago. I worked in Boston. I worked in San Diego. I love those cities. I love going to those cities. Uh, but I like to talk about the cities I don't have personal connection to, which stand out for different reasons. And I'll give you four of them. Okay. I mean, New York is easy. Who doesn't love New York? Who doesn't love the restaurants An off night at the theater, whatever it may be, the energy of New York. I always love going to New York. I love Seattle. Very mm-hmm. disappointed. The Mariners come to Miami this year. We don't go to Seattle. Uh, Seattle is an amazing city to walk around. The weather in the summer is usually beautiful. Uh, such a picturesque city. I love going to Seattle. Uh, and I'll give you two that surprise a lot of people, Kansas city, which uh, for me, I-, I love the barbecue. I love visiting the Negro leagues baseball museum. Every time I'm there, I love the ballpark. I love the area, the Prado, where where teams stay when they go into Kansas City most of the time. People are so friendly there. And I always talk about one of the most underrated cities in America, and this won't surprise you because you've traveled with me, Milwaukee. Mm. I, I like Milwaukee. I love the food. It's a great city to eat in. Always good atmosphere in the ballpark. Milwaukee is a very underrated, in my opinion, baseball market. Fans are out early, tailgating. It's always very energetic inside the ballpark there. Uh, you get there early in the year, maybe you see some snow as you did a few years ago (laughs) Uh, in the summertime, weather's usually pretty nice in Milwaukee. So those would be the ones, and they might surprise some people. Uh,
0: I guess my answer to that, I have really fallen in love with the Midwest and I think Chicago might be the best city in the summertime. little breeze coming off Lake Michigan. I think that city is just tremendous, good places to eat, but maybe for me, uh, I think I'd go Chicago summertime, best trip, maybe
1: beat Chicago. Strike. Late night meals with
0: Gibson's also. Okay. You almost to took yeah, to you Gibson. almost took strike two. This is a tough one. You've got to give me an answer. Your favorite restaurant or place to eat on the road? Uh I'm going back to Milwaukee. Okay. I'm going to Elsa's. Uh
1: and it's not the fanciest restaurant. It's not the most expensive restaurant, but Elsa's is a great spot. A short walk from the hotel in Milwaukee, right across the street from Cathedral Square. Uh it, it's a great spot for for food, for drink, for if they're open late, you can go after games. There are some days I'll have lunch and post game dinner there. <laughs> uh, you got to go to Milwaukee, you got to go to Elsa's, and take my word for it. You order the pork chop sandwich, and then you get strawberry shortcake for dessert, and you've had yourself a really good day.
0: Okay, I'll open it up for you now. Give me, give me a few more for the people when they're traveling.
1: A few more, uh, favorite restaurants on the road. Uh, okay, New York, now, another one. Yeah. It's not okay. New York, I got several Patsy's, mm-hmm. tremendous Italian restaurant in New York. I love I like Gallagher's Steakhouse in New York, particularly after the theater. Uh, there's a, a smaller neighborhood place, Rue 57, a short walk from where we've stayed historically in New York that in the past have been open late. Uh, I enjoy going there. The Oreo bignettes for dessert are delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you often see some celebrities in there. I'm not just talking about Jessica Blaylock, <laughs> there are often others as well. <laughs> uh so so those those are all good and there are more in new york you know shake shack you go to the original yeah. shake shack in pass square park in new york city in the summertime can't beat that um uh, boy there are so many the metropolitan grill is a great old steakhouse in seattle that i love uh i love going to arthur bryant's for barbecue in kansas city when we're there i used to love the buckhead diner in atlanta which Sad is just closed in the last year or so very traumatic news the buckhead diner closed uh, we've all enjoyed a lot of off-night dinners at the Buckhead Diner. I've gone there for lunch a lot. Uh, there are others, obviously. You know, you can't go wrong with a great cheesesteak in Philadelphia when we're there. Uh, I mentioned Gibson's in Chicago, great steakhouse uh, for a, a relaxing dinner or late night even after games. They're open. So uh, I could write a book about this,
0: some of my favorite Road restaurants and there are a lot more that uh if we had more time yeah. I could run through for it. So here's one I would give you and you know another city I've really come to love and we get to go there three times a year uh, is Philadelphia? They haven't received the Surgeon General's warning. Um, a lot of smokers. But I love going to the Reading Terminal Market. I think it's one of the oh, coolest yeah? places to go grab a bite. Deed might be a chalk pick, yeah. but for me, it's usually a walk uh, away from the hotel. I think Philly's just a, a really neat uh, kind of like blue collar city, and you go in the marketplace and you have all those options and the hustle and bustle is really cool.
1: There are a lot of great public markets. I think we've been to one together in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, yeah. Another city. Great one in Baltimore, uh, the public market in uh, Seattle, obviously, and you mentioned Philadelphia. They've got that great uh, pork sandwich there in Philadelphia, and I'm blanking on the name of the place,
0: but it's a well-known place. Uh, You can't go wrong. Yep, no doubt. And you know the one other place I was going to throw out, uh, do you know uh, the restaurant or the little diner breakfast place in Baltimore where you get the Captain Crunch blueberry French toast? Have you ever had that gift?
1: Not a big breakfast guy.
0: No. Uh, I usually
1: stay up really late and sleep through breakfast. So I don't know that place in Baltimore.
0: I'll have to find it, but uh, it's terrific uh, in Baltimore. Last one Strike Baltimore's Three. Baltimore's
1: another very underrated city. Mm. One of my favorite places to go. Inner Harbor. Love Camden
0: Yard. Yeah. And yep. the Inner Harbor is phenomenal. Uh, this is a good one, Gap. I wanted to ask oh, you. And this. by the way, getting back to Strike Two,
1: uh, great Italian restaurants in Baltimore, Little Italy, which oh. is uh, a walk, depending on, on where you stay. And some of them are open very late at night. Uh Chipperelli's is uh one of my favorites in Baltimore. And uh there's another that I'm not thinking of. I'm gonna have to we'll have to do this again sometime, Kyle. Yeah. And I'll give you the other one. That's also open very late. Uh starts with an S, but uh it's been too long. We've been off the road for the last couple of years.
0: I know. It'd be fun to get back out there and see some people again. Oh, it was the Blue Moon Cafe in Baltimore for anybody that wants a really yeah. yummy, sweet breakfast. Uh, all right. So strike three, Jeff, I want to ask you this one. If you weren't broadcasting, the profession you would most love to have would be what?
1: Well, I've been able to start doing this while still broadcasting. I've always wanted to teach. And uh, as of this past fall, I was able to join the faculty at Florida Atlantic University, teaching a sports broadcasting course uh, that I'll teach again this year and probably going to be doing a sports communications class as well at FAU. Uh, I've always enjoyed working with young, aspiring broadcasters, people looking to get into the business. And over the years, I've done a lot of advising at Northwestern, where I went to school. I've been involved the last few years with a program at Cornell University, where I work with their sports broadcasting students. And uh, to have the chance to be in the classroom a couple of days a week with these students at FAU has been the joy of a lifetime. And I don't say that lightly, and, and I don't throw that out there. Uh, it was such a remarkable experience to get the chance to do it for the very first time and to, uh, to watch them kind of blossom and take an interest in this. And in some cases, kids who came in not wanting to do this, who came out of the class, said, you know what, actually, I might want to do this. Awesome. And to see their growth over the course of the semester, it was a blast. So uh, if I weren't doing this, I think I'd be doing that full time.
0: That's like awesome. At least. And super fulfilling. doesn't need to be 25 kids that go on to start them. But if one kid uh, takes something and learns something and uh, you watch them every step of the way. I, too, I come from a family in the education realm. My sister's a special education teacher in inner city Rochester, New York. So I love teaching. The only other thing I would really love, I have a soft spot for animals. I think a veterinarian would be a tough job, but I think it would be outstanding. So
1: we have a great vet, Stewie the Beagle, and if you ever want to, uh, you know, maybe mentor or shadow, I'll set you up with Doctor Puig.
0: Maybe the best. Maybe Doctor Puig can come hang out in the radio booth this season. Do you like baseball? Doctor
1: Puig will little Marlins broadcasting trivia. Not only does Doctor Puig take care of Stewie the Beagle, he also takes care of Craig Minervini's dog Chumley. (laughs) So he he's the the vet to the broadcasting stars.
0: Outstanding. Jeff, it's uh. It's good to see you on Zoom. I hope I can see you in Jupiter soon and uh, maybe give the commissioner a call today. Tell him to get this all figured out and I'll see you soon. How's that sound?
1: You and I have all the answers, so uh, let's make it a three-way call. We'll get this thing done.
0: Now, Great talking to you, Kyle. All right, Jeff. Yeah, that's all the time we've got for you tonight for Ricardo Wanche back home with the Fox Sports 940 Miami studio in Glenn Geffner. I'm Kyle Seeloff. saying so long and good night. I'll be back with you next Thursday on your home for Marlins baseball, Fox Sports 940 Miami, and the iHeartRadio app.